is Chris Little. I am the host of the Lifestyle Chase Podcast. This is Season 5. Alright, so welcome back to the Lifestyle Chase Podcast. And I keep everybody on their toes this year. I'm always like, it's been a while since the last episode. And it truly has. We've been averaging about one per month which is a good enough pace where people are like, no, it's still a podcast. It's still out there. It's a big contrast from the pace that I was keeping before. But with that said, it's a great segue to today's guest. So Kyle Smith is keeping up a pretty aggressive pace with his podcasts. And as such, I've checked a few of them out, actually quite a few. And so he's going to join us on the show today. It's going to be exciting to kind of dive down the rabbit hole. I was recently on his show, The Limitless Life Podcast, where I definitely talked quite a bit. So if you want to hear more of me, check that out. But this time it's about him. So we're going to learn about him. And first, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty freaking solid, dude. There's not much to complain about. I'm feeling good vibes from the Sunday. I've been enjoying my Sundays quite a bit in the last chunk of time. They've been both most productive and then also most chill it's been a good mm. one so because you're going to be new to probably 60 percent of my audience i got a lot of i got a lot of americans listening so if there's any americans that are tuning in please just send me a message so i can figure out who who it is but with that said what how do you describe what you do i know it's evolved quite a bit over the last few years but how do you describe it today Today, presently, in this very, very moment, the way that I described, I like to have, I title it Clarity Consultant. So this is something that I've been recognizing in the last year that that's been, Clarity has been something that has been a struggle for a lot of folks where it's ambiguous goals. And I think that Clarity is the alleviation of a lot of symptoms of overwhelm. And so basically in a nutshell, I try to help stuck, frustrated, overwhelmed folks construct clarity, cultivate curiosity and captivate the consciousness. It's a lot of C's. I like alliterations. I like it. I like it because I think with everything that we've learned about ourselves in the introspective times of the pandemic, just like having people to help other people is pretty important. Like even with all of the AI technology and stuff, like human connection is such an underrated part of life. Like if we were just born and every single interaction we had was with a robot, I don't think we'd have the same human experience. Mm -hmm. And so to have people that have gathered up a lot of different life skills and experiences and found new ways to connect and gotten creative, like, that that's a huge asset to people. So it's cool that you do what you do. One thing that I wanted to showcase about you before we really dive in is what I have noticed is you do a really good job of making people feel special on your show. Mm-hmm. And as someone who has had some very like intense conversations with people over the years, like not many people get the experience to like hear that about themselves. Like they don't Mm. like we, if we think about how fast time goes by, like yesterday I was hanging out with my family and I saw my nieces and I usually use my nieces as like a measurement of how fast time goes by. Cause it feels like just yesterday, each of them were babies 
and it was like the year 2008 and the year 2012 that they were each born. Well, some time has passed, like over a decade has passed by and it feels like it was just yesterday. And so when people kind of get like stuck in that vicious cycle of like, okay, wake up, work, go to bed, wake up, work, go to bed, wake up, work, go to bed. Oftentimes, most of the feedback is like constructive criticism on our job performance Mm. or it's whatever is like buzzing around on the Internet, like whatever, like newest problem or societal thing or thing that divides people. And that's all we hear. And then what you've done for people is they come on your show and you go out of your way to find something positive about them. And at first, when I first heard it, I was like kind of taking it for granted. But when I heard you say it to somebody else, I was like, okay, no, like this is probably making a pretty meaningful impact on these people's weeks. And I think it's good practice to have on your show and it makes people feel special. And so I wanted to make you feel special. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So thank you for doing that for people. It makes the show a lot more meaningful. And I know that it makes an impact on people, whether they share that with you or not. It's a good thing to do because life is short. Like we're all going to die. So we might as well be kind to one another in some capacity. Mm -hmm. But on the lifestyle chase, I do this thing where I take people into the time machine. And it's funny because when I started doing this, it always sounded super awkward. It was just my way of digging in and finding more about people. But it was kind of became a signature move of the show. It was kind of like something I could be like almost counted on to do. And so we are going to go to the time machine, but I've got to dial it in pretty, pretty tight here. So I want to know what was life like for you in 2016? And just like paint a picture for me. What, what was a day in life for you like? How did you reflect on yourself? Let's hear about it. I would say that 2016 was a very... I'm I'm imagining that you picked up that date like on the fly because it was a very significant year actually. So out of all the years that I've existed, you picking out 2016 <laughs> is very, 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 a little, very, very good. If that was by <laughs> fluke or coincidence, that was a pretty good coincidence. But 2016, I, I look at as the I refer to it as the that is the point in time where I can recognize the biggest shift in my kind of in a whole bunch of different ways, my character, my personality, my, the way that I interacted with myself, the way that I interacted with others, the, the time where I seem to be at my not lowest low, but I was going in that direction. And it was a very, 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 not a very quick descent, but it was a, it was a decent descent. And in that time, I was more so, I was distracting myself with just, just time over time, just not good behaviors. And it's nothing that, it's nothing that is out of the ordinary for anyone. But what I found the resolution was, was the clarity and what was going on around that time was I was not exactly the, I was morally ambiguous in my relationships and I was not exactly the most positive experience 
to, to friends and stuff, totally. But of course, there's always like stuff that people don't see. And I was not exactly the, the best person for relationships. And that is a reflection of my relationship with myself, most importantly. And that's what 2016 really taught me is that the development with the relationship of the self is probably the highest priority relationship. Because no matter what, no matter who's next to you in bed, you're going to be falling asleep next to yourself. And I just did not enjoy the person that I was at. And I truly believe that either by choice or by chance, there's going to be an adjustment in the trajectory of life. And in saying that, it's either by chance, and I'll define chance as the external uncontrollable circumstances are going to decide for you what happens, or by choice, it is controllable of the self. It is within our control to be able to put ourselves into situations in order to improve rather than allowing things to, or to be a passive pex or spectator in our existence and just go with the flow to not to, to an unhealthy degree. There's a healthy degree of go with the flow and there's also a healthy or an unhealthy and healthy degree of more structure and clarity. I did not have the structure or clarity. And then I was just going for the, with the flow way too much. So what I found is I decided to just get out of my self and the way that I kind of view that and the way that I teach that now is to look at your behaviors, your perceptions and your actions from a third party perspective and really recognize, would I even want to hang out with me? And my answer was no. And I was not content. And I don't mean content as in like, no, I just wasn't content. I wasn't, and it wasn't because of what I was doing or the lack of things I was doing. It was, I was not content because there was a lack of alignment between how I go about it, how my metric is, is between my head, my heart, and my gut. Those three pointers. Because every, every good structure has at least three points. I think that works internally as well. So basically found myself after a bajillion times of solid, solid binges. Like I was, I, I would, I would say that I would be on the, on the realm of functioning alcoholic at that point in time. And the reasoning for that is just because I was just impulsive. I was paying more attention to my animal being than my human being. And my animal being was the impulse-driven, reactionary, fight, flight, feed, and fornicate, that being. And then the human being is the consciousness, it is the step up. It is getting outside of ourselves in order to view ourselves from a third-party perspective to really not critically judge, but to come from a place of compassion because we cannot have compassion and judgment at the same time. If we are judging ourselves and our behaviors, there is no room for compassion. If we are focusing on compassion rather than judgment, then we're coming from a place of love and understanding. And that's what I had to do for myself. Ultimately, it just got to the point where I wanted to choose to do something different and an analogy that, or not analogy, but the kind of idea that I think of is that at each point before the choice or chance opportunity, there is, and choice is always an opportunity. Chance is just a progressive decline of being, but there is three points in time that there is communication. There is the feather, there is the rock, and then there is the truck. And the feather is that whisper of, and you feel it in your, in your solar plexus. 
you feel it in that bundle of nerve endings. So basically when we're born, it starts from the belly button and then we kind of grow outwards. So there's the highest amount of nerve endings in that collection in the solar plexus right above the belly and where the rib cage is. So when something is out of alignment and we feel that angst, it's usually an angst of misalignment rather than the other variation of anxiety, which is the anticipation of future pain. So I look at it as a compass and I was way off my compass. So the feather, that was the feather where I was trying to push down that feeling where I knew I was not doing, even if it was subconscious or consciously, I was pushing down that feeling in order to distract myself from it rather than not deal with it, not cope with it, but align with it. And basically that was, that would be the feather. I was ignoring that. My relationships were tumultuous, uh, mostly like romantic relationships. And that was going down there. I was just getting thrown rocks and not in the sense of people are attacking me. The people throwing rocks were me. That's one thing that people don't understand in my mind is that it's oftentimes not people throwing rocks at us because our perceptions are our reflections of the world. So if we're perceiving a bunch of people throwing rocks at us, it's probably a pretty good chance that we're just recognizing our own BS. And then we're the ones throwing rocks. So this is obviously a pretty drawn out kind of a little chunk of a explanation. But anyways, so I had a bunch of rocks and I knew that I didn't know at that time that there is a truck. Now I know as a, a truck, there could have been a truck that could have come in. So each of those points in time are just little bits of, Hey, Hey man, like the feather. Hey, are you, are you going to like, are you going to get back into alignment and actually practice what you preach? Or are you going to behave in the way that your future, the future that you envision, are those in alignment? Are you going to continue pretending to be a teenager and not be a responsible adult to your inner child? Are you going to continue preaching strength, but showing up weak? Are you going to, it was just all these misalignments. So I didn't want to hit the truck. So those rocks were going, okay, there we go. So the feathers, the whisper, the rocks are recognizing that, Hey, you know what? Maybe there should be like something serious to get done. I was not positively impacting myself or the people around me at that point <clears throat> to my standards now. And the truck is the time where something really, really bad happens. And that is when by chance people often make the changes. Thankfully, I didn't get to that point. I did it by choice. And my buddy, Sean, who was also on my podcast, he was doing the world's toughest mutters. And I introduced him to the tough mutters and did a couple of those like six, seven, eight, something around that. And it, when I was back in the big box gym days, that would be the fitness test. So each year I would bring a crew to Whistler for the world's toughest mutter. And the, the biggest group I had was about 18. 15 was per, fairly regular. I found that 10 was a sweet spot. <laughs> and I just put onto Facebook because obviously if we have problems, we just put it on Facebook. And I said that I've just had enough and I just wanted to do something 
to get me out of there, whether it was some form of therapy or anything, like just recommendations of what people have uh, utilized to change the trajectory of their life. Because I didn't like the trajectory that my life was going on. So my buddy Sean messaged and was like, world's toughest mutter. So without training for it, without having experienced a world's toughest mutter, without ever experiencing a half marathon, without experiencing a 24 hour endurance event, basically I'm in shape. That part I got down, but then I got to really push myself to see where that could go. And the beautiful thing about it is that opportunity. I, I, I always refer to the world's toughest mutter in 2016 in Vegas as the pre tough mutter and the post tough mutter, because when you're out there and it was 24 hours, as many rounds as possible, multiple military obstacles, and you just keep on going. I probably got like three hours of sleep within that 24 hours. And those were naps. Like they were just broken up into naps. And what I found is because of the physical output, it gave my mind enough room to think there wasn't as much clutter going on. The, if I think of it, like my brain being a shipping container, like a U-Haul, there was a whole bunch of stuff in there and I was shipping it from one place to another, from one place to another, from one place to another. And what the world stuff is mutter gave me the opportunity to do is to unload some of that U-Haul. I was able to start with a couple lamps. I was able to start with a couple shelves. Then eventually I got to beds. Then eventually I got to the heavier tables. And what I found, because you have no choice but to think, and you're usually by yourself the whole time, either daytime or nighttime, I was pretty much by myself. And that now I would do that in practice. Then I did it by accident. And it was a very happy accident, as my mom would say about me. And uh, what, what I actually, what I actually found is when I started unloading that cognitive U-Haul, I found myself with more room to do cartwheels in the U-Haul. I was able to think I was able to process. It was almost, I would call it like a baptism by pain or a reincarnation of the self that was chosen. And I'm not, I'm not a religious person. I would say that I'm closer on the spiritual side of things, but not even then, because I don't, I just look at it as a framework of how to play a bigger game. And there's just rules to a game. And then we just play the rules. Anyways, that's like a philosophical tangent. But what I found during this 24 hours, which to be frank, it was in Vegas. And then it took me a little while to process and learn these lessons and reflect and think on it. And then, so the, the next day it was just shenanigans again. But what I, what I found reflecting on it is that when there was no one else around, I was out in the middle of the desert. It was nighttime. I was able to go through the things that I was anticipating that I was fearful. Cause I, I don't want to say that I was afraid of it because fear to me is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. And although there is a high likelihood of some sort of an injury, cause I jumped off of a freaking 30 foot, 30 foot drop. And that scared the shite out of me. Like I was on there and it took me a while. I was shaking and I am still feeling it now, but I was on there shaking and people were just going and I was just determined and it opened up at midnight. So, cause the, the obstacles would open up at different times. And this one opened up at midnight. I was standing and I remember it. It was just, 
I could see the, basically they had a, a rope kind of a triangle that you climb up one way down the other. It had the logo. And then that was where like, you can see the city way far in the distance, all the skyline of Vegas, but then you just see nothingness and it's just darkness. And then you look up and then it's just, there's still some stars out there, even though Vegas is bumping. And in that moment, in that thought process where there was as Leah, who I actually, Leah is someone else I had a po- on my podcast. I ran into her and her pacing was perfect. And she, she said it very well in the podcast that we had. She, she says excitedy. So it's excitement and anxiety. And what we don't understand, what folks often don't understand is that we automatically associate anxiety with like uh, fear from the physiological response. But there is a difference between anxiety and anxiety, but the physiological response are the same. So we could be excited about something and scared about something, but they're the exact same physiological triggers. So even to this day, I'm not sure if I was scared of drowning or if I was excited to drown. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. So I have a few kind of like follow-up questions for you. First of all, I just tend to make good educated guesses on timelines, not necessarily like based on the individual, but more so just reflecting on like different like events and things and times. And even just like when I'm a similar age to a person, then I can kind of like intuitively guess on that way. So Mm -hmm. it definitely didn't spy on you or anything or do like too much of a deep dive. But I appreciate that you've shared this much of your story so far, and we're going to dig into it a bit more. But first, we're going to layer in some context. So something that I think that people don't really believe when they hear it is that everybody is like a work in progress. Mm. Like even the people that we see as like the most like ideal human, the most perfect, the kindest, the most talented, the most wealthy, they're still kind of making it up as they go. And they're inevitably going to make some mistakes. And something that can set them apart is like owning the mistake. And in a lot of cases, people in the fitness industry have to own a lot of mistakes because we're trying to help other people with their lives. And what you brought up about like kind of being like in in integrity with the things that you preach and stuff, like that's part of it. And then I think part of it is just like understanding that like life isn't just like a constant like escalator up like there's going to be some like maintenance and construction and sometimes they're going to tell you go down the down escalator just to go back up the up escalator again and i think we'd be lying if we said that the pandemic had no impact on our momentum and stuff like that i'm sure that it impacted everybody differently but i'm also sure that it impacted everybody which brings me to like Let's say like 2019, 2020, we've talked about how you've kind of like started to reinvent yourself and you became more self-aware and you were starting to really like hone in on your potential and be able to see so much more of what you could do, not only for others, but even more so for yourself, because like what you can do for others is based strongly upon like what you can do for yourself. But with just the way the fitness industry goes with the ebbs and flows, the ups and the downs. And then you toss in like a global thing where it's like, okay, if you didn't have enough challenges already, here's another one. Um, what was your experience like, like when you're in January, February, March, April, what was, what was life doing to you? 
January, February, March, April. So January, February, a week before lockdowns happened, I was in Mexico playing golf. So leading up to it was fantastic. For the most part, I didn't find too much of a struggle. And the reason is to, and like, obviously there was the struggles where there's the financial dips. There is the not being able to train clients. Like there's those things, like the things that people were obviously experiencing were consistent across the board. Still drinking solid chunks too. But what I found is I just went inwards, dude. I just went into more breath work. I went into more mindfulness. I went into creativity. I tried to, and actively, like I seen what was going on and just understanding the, that understanding that it was either I was going to make an adjustment or I was just going to be miserable. So what you were saying earlier about the work of art, some people struggle with that. I think that people are a work of art and a work of progress at the same time, because we are, we are finite beings living in and experiencing this universal world. And I, I think that it's, I think that trying to get the uncontrollable external world to meet our subjective narratives or the way that we wish to experience the world is an unrealistic and futile adventure. And it creates more pain. It perpetuates pain rather than progress. And I will always vote for progress over pain any day. And going with what you were saying before about me trying to get the guests to feel good vibes, that is definitely intentional. And reason for that is that misery is trendy and I'm not much of a trendsetter or I'm more of a trendsetter because I want to be more compassionate and loving. And that only happens by going inwards and resolving or seeing or visiting a lot of the things that you just don't want to visit. So during that time, when everyone was focusing on the external world and this, that, and the other, I think I had a, a solid chunk of philosophical like knowledge leading into it. So I just love philosophy stuff. So Marcus Aurelius, Miyamoto Musashi, Alan Watts, Dar Terrence McKenna, a whole bunch of philosophers, Seneca, Epictetus, all, all Stoic philosophy, basically. Most Stoic philosophy. I was just learning about mental resilience at that point. And we focus on physical resilience, but I think mental resilience is just as, a, just as important. Because once again, there has there there not the doesn't have to be, but it's in our best interest to have that alignment between the body and the mind. And I think of consciousness as the soul. Like the voices that we are speaking to each other with are our prime voices, no matter the voices that we got in our head. These are the voices that are in control. And these are also the voices that are the only thing that separate us too, because our bodies are still birthed from the same point in time, whatever theory some folks want to subscribe to when it comes to how the universe began. One thing that we know for sure is that our bodies are made up of the same molecules and matter as the rest of the universe. And the only difference between us is the consciousness. And I think that consciousness is just another word for soul. 
because that's the only thing that changes. We don't know what the soul is, but I think that that's probably my best guess. And when we have that strength of consciousness or that mental fitness, not mental health, I don't like mental health because mental health implies that there is a good health and a bad health. And if you have weak mental health, it's too absolute and it is not an absolute because we can have days where we catch the cold. So our physical fitness is going to be down a couple of days, but then we recover. Our physical fitness is going to be up again. And so it goes with the peaks and the valleys. Mental fitness is no different. We, I just find that people are told how to think, not what, or told what to think, not how to think. And so it makes us less capable of conceptual survival. Because I think in a world where we have so much abundance, especially here in North America, where the thing that we get chapped about or upset about is our Uber, no, 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 is our skip the dishes or Uber Eats vehicle stopping at a red light just outside of us to which we are looking at our phone ticked off that we can see via GPS where the car is and it's close to us while we're getting it delivered. That's... I, th I think that creating, creating problems for ourselves is what we are trying to adapt to in this conceptual survival. And it's no longer physical, for the most part, it's no longer physical stuff like tigers and animals are not going to come at us. And we are also force-fed fear so that we are in just anticipation and on edge all the time. But when we can take ourselves out of it and see things, then it's just chill. Man, this is a big old tangent. <laughs> but what I, I totally do forget the original question. Oh, good. Oh, right, right. <laughs> so, so during the 2020 time, I just went in, did a lot more breath work, did a lot more journaling, did a lot more just time to myself and just thinking, contemplating, trying to figure out how my how I wanted to restructure my thinking rather than just defaulting to the way I've always thought. Cause I wanted to challenge my thoughts rather than confirm my thoughts, especially the thoughts that I perceived to be true, but were not factually correct. And the only reason I perceived them to be true is because external voices that do not have the same sense of compassion or empowerment are teaching us to think that way. And that does not float my boat. So yeah. that's what I did for that time. I just revitalized. <laughs> Recharged. No, that's good though, because it gives us lots to talk about that could probably help people or maybe challenge the views that a person might have of themselves or just of people's perception. Because I think it's true, like especially with with how connected we are, because I'm not going to place it all on social media, but it's just like there's a level of like technological connection that did not exist a while ago. So before it was like my best comparison, I'll, I'll think of like how I thought of other people's perception of me back in like grade school, back in junior high and stuff. And I'd be like, okay, well, like I'm sure this person might, I might not be this person's favorite, but this person likes me because we talked the other day and it was like, we talked the other day in person. So it was much more of a literal like way of like coming to those conclusions. And then now there's so much that goes into it. Like on a reoccurring basis, I have conversations with friends 
And the reason I'm able to be dialed into this is I've been sensitive to it in the past too. But the conversations with friends being that like, they're like, okay, well, like they didn't like my story post or they didn't like my post or they didn't follow me back or they didn't do this or they didn't do that. And like, it's, it's very easy to feel the feels that come with that. Like it's, that's kind of what we're wired to do. Like we put out energy, we kind of want it to be reciprocated, but we're forgetting that there's a disconnect when it comes to social media and stuff. Cause that's a lot of things that we don't have control of. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have control cause like Instagram, Facebook, meta, all that stuff. It's, it's an operating business. And for them to be like profitable, they have to leverage attention for advertising revenue. And so if like, Joe Blow's stuff is really solid and he wants all his friends to see it, but it's not captivating. It's not going to be leveraged by the platform to get more eyes on it. So regardless of what Joe Blow said, his friends probably aren't going to see it. But because his friends don't see it, his friends don't like it. Because his friends don't like it and they don't connect with it, then Joe Blow thinks that his friends don't like him. And that was a thing that we didn't have before. And it's a thing that like, is becoming more and more valuable to address. And even more so, like, I think one of the best things that we can impart on people is that self-awareness to like, know what you have to do for yourself and what kind of self-awareness pieces that you need. And just sometimes just reflecting that, like, it's, it's not you versus the world. It's mostly just you versus you. And then your perception of you projects out to other people. So if it's real shitty, then other people aren't going to take that too kindly. But what I will kind of pivot into is I'm curious if you were giving like a three minute Ted talk. So you have to find ways to be like super concise about it and really like send it home and have like a good hook or whatever you want to do. How would you help a room full of people to kind of like get that, to have that hammer home for them that is, it's not, them versus the world it's mostly just them versus them that's a really good question oh okay them versus the world them versus them three minute ted talk one thing that i would definitely acknowledge is that a majority of the things that we are thinking are other people's thinking they're learned thoughts our thoughts are habitual about 60% of our thoughts are repeat day to day. So whether that's positive or negative is irrelevant. Those are repeatable, habitual thoughts. And when we can recognize that we keep on saying the same shitty things on a regular basis, we just attack those, write them down, reframe them, because realistically, in any situation, we only have what I like to call the five timelines of life. We can choose to Resolve it entirely, so get rid of it. It's also a spectrum from smart decisions to dumb decisions. Resolve it, reframe it, tolerate it, ignore it, aggravate it. So if we're able to write down, I am not enough. I am a loser because of this reason. I am not smart enough because of this reason. I'm not smart, whatever. Whatever the titles that you just connect yourself to, I think the trick in my... is Okay, here we go. The trick is writing those down reframing them or to resolve. So instead of I'm not enough, it is I am enough. And the thing is, is at some point, it's good to understand that we did not believe at one point in time that we were not enough. 
we were told and started thinking that we were not enough. So if we can learn one direction, we can learn another direction. So even if folks are feeling like, ah, oh, I, I just can't, I just have difficulty reframing it into I am enough, then that's okay. But the thing that's really important is to understand is that all the things that we are capable of at this point in time were learned. We are not born into this world with everything all intact. We accumulate information and then we can organize and then we interpret that information and then we can organize the information when we reflect on it. So the thing that's really important is to understand that we have the opportunity to also be powerful in our own right, but what we depend on makes the rules. And if we are depending on the external world and circumstances to grant us fulfillment or accomplishment, achievement, self-approval, self-love, self-compassion, then we're going to be waiting a long time because what, what we depend on makes the rules. And if we can depend on ourselves, then we are capable of setting the rules to which we want to play this game rather than just playing by the same rules that a majority of folks seem to be playing. So... I think that acknowledgement of what is what is a what I would call a functioning opinion and a non-functioning opinion and categorizing those opinions are very pot or in our best interest to do because then we get to see a visual from 4D to 2D from pen to paper when you think it ink it then we're able to see it as is not how we feel it or interpret it because our body's going to respond to what we think. So if we feel a certain way, it's because it's already thought that way. And I would almost make the possible argument that willpower or free will is not an option because or is not a thing because we're already making decisions seven seconds ahead of the decision that we made. So if we're able to proactively readjust the trajectory, if we recognize similar behaviors and similar circumstances, then we can learn. And I would define learning as same circumstances, different behavior. If we have the same circumstances and the same behavior, we didn't learn anything. So then it's good to go back to the paper and then organize those categories into non-functioning, which I define as harmful to our progress, and then functioning opinions, helpful to our progress. Then we just pay, choose actively to pay more attention to one than the other. I don't know, somewhere in there. That's where I would go with my Ted talk somewhere in there. Yeah. But I think the main thing I would end a Ted talk with is that I would probably just say, keep up the kindness. Like keeping up the kindness is internally will flourish externally like a ripple effect. We want to flourish and nourish. We want thrival, not survival. Kind of, kind of where I would go with that. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, within your TED Talk, there were some key things that I wanted to kind of almost like double down on just so that people have these takeaways that they can put into action. I like just how you explain to people to just write, write out what is happening. Because oftentimes, like if, if somebody that I'm working with remotely or even in person, because it's the same conversations across the board, it's just one I'm looking at them in the face, the other one is through like a Zoom screen or through text message or whatever. And it's just like, because I've experienced so many people's like reflection of themselves, it's given me some sort of like 
essential tools in helping people. And one of them is just like, okay, so like if you had a challenging day at the end of your day, find a way that works for you to kind of just unpack everything in your brain. And this is something that I do too. And in the past, like one of my unique tricks that I've done is like, sometimes I'll share a lot on Instagram, but there's a lot that I create for Instagram that doesn't ever get shared. And I'm going to explain that mm. in more in depth because like I'm already on the platform. I'm already scrolling through. I'm already typing stuff up. So sometimes if I've just had like, I'm just in a deep, dark mental fog or I've had a rough week or I'm feeling sorry for myself or I'm feeling self-conscious of something. I'll just like take one of the just blank screens and start typing out like what I'm thinking about. And like in that instance, I'll be typing it out, not with the intent to share that one, but just as my method of, of processing things. Cause like I have notebooks everywhere, but sometimes I'm like, no, I'm not going to write a notebook. I don't need to write a notebook. But if I'm actually more likely to just sit there and lay down and look at the ceiling and type it out on my Instagram story, so be it. And so I'll do that sometimes. And just like the act of going through everything that's in your mind, like everything, because like, if it's just for you, nobody else is going to see it. And so it could be like how you thought people thought of you or maybe something that you did like seven years ago that was still eating you up. Or maybe it could be like what your expectation of yourself was and is it realistic or not? Or it could be, did you do life right? Did you do life wrong? Are you making the right decisions that align with your future? Or are you just literally not? Like in a lot of cases, like if you are able to write out everything that you're doing in a week and then you're able to write out what you want for your life, you can come up with some pretty important realizations and it's like, okay, compound effect of this action is nowhere near that outcome. So something's got to give. And it appears that like, I, the writer of this journal entry, am the one in control. And I think, so the fact that you said that is important. So I'm hoping that people understand it's not like a one size fits all thing. Like whether you're writing in a notebook, whether you do like point form, whether you're trying to address a specific thing or you're just addressing everything that's in your head. It's very helpful to get it out on paper. And then once you've got it all unpacked, figure out like, what's the actual most effective strategy to move forward? And something that I actually like borrowed from a friend of mine I was working, I'd, I've done two contracts with Lululemon. And the second one was on location at Kingsway. And so I got to connect with lots of great people and make lots of great friends. Shout out if they're listening to the show. And one of those friends shared with me something that uh, she had learned. I think it was from her grandma. And it was, you can only have two complaints a day. And I took that like seriously. And it was kind of like, it was a mentality I'd already embraced because I tend to be a bit of an optimist. Like I like to see the cup half full, even if I'm like drowning. I'm like, no, no, it'll be fine. I'm literally that dog meme with the fire in the background. I'm like, this is fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> but that whole like having structure to like, what kind of boundaries you're going to set for your own like perception of yourself. I thought that was really important because like I wasn't always feeling too positive. Like I was doing that contract job because my training career wasn't that great at the moment. 
I lost a lot of on, uh, in-person clients. And so I had to have a piece of humble pie <laughs> and figure it out and stay positive. Fortunately, working in that space, I was still pretty aligned with, with fitness um, because I was there on behalf of like the mirror platform, which is all fitness. And in that reflection, having just like a really basic rule of like only two complaints a day that helped. And like, I'm a trainer, <laughs> like people assume that trainers like us don't need all these little simple things to help us through our day. We totally yeah. we eat that stuff up. Like that stuff totally. is just as helpful for us. as It is for anybody else. We're just as human. We've just had to like really realize and look ourselves in the mirror and learn from our experiences. And so when I would have these two complaints a day, I would be much more mindful as to what my complaint was going to be and how long I was going to like let it just sit there. Cause I didn't want it to be the same complaint one day as it was the next day. Mm -hmm. What if I had new complaints? What if I had something else to fill that time slot or <laughs> that energy piece? And it helped me to be so much more grateful for things. So during my time there, I would, I mean, like I park far away everywhere I go, but I made an extra point <laughs> to park, especially far away. I was basically on the far end of the parking lot on the opposite end of the mall. So maximum stepping. And during my contract there, I ate a salad every day. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is because I found some obscure reason to be grateful for that because I realized that despite the fact that those years didn't go how I would have ideally wanted them to go, I was able to find like opportunity and like it was a situation where I had to like question if, if I really was cut out for my goals or not. But then I was like, Oh no, like I get my step count up. I can relate to so many more of the people that I train, like people who work retail, I get it now. Like I'm, I'm experiencing this firsthand and people who are saying like, it's hard to meal prep. I found ways to meal prep really fast. I just prepped all the meat at once and just tossed it in with like the spinach or the lettuce. And it was pretty straightforward. And I would just have it consistently to kind of stay on track with my nutrition. And I made progress. It was just these two little behavior changes. And to have that, like, it was almost like taking an internship with yourself because you were learning things that were going to make you that much more versatile with people. But the reason I use the terming internship is because it's not necessarily the most financially rewarding time. Like I wasn't struggling, but I didn't feel like I was as successful as I felt when I was mostly spending my time training people in person. When I was spending much less of my time training people in person, I felt like maybe I had done something terrible and shouldn't be in the industry or something. There's all that was my inner monologue. And I had to sit in that shit because it wasn't the cards weren't changed and the gyms were open, close, open, close. And I just had to like deal with it and keep moving forward. And so to have that reflection where I was like, okay, no, like I'm, I'm learning things. I'm getting better. I'm like leveling myself up as a person. I'm becoming more self-aware. I'm making more connections with people. Like sometimes as an introvert, I tend to kind of like go into my hole and never come out. And so that forced me to make new friends and reconnect with people and see people that followed me on Instagram and I didn't know who they were, but they knew who I was. That happened a few times. And that was kind of cool because like, while we as trainers have very like detailed, colorful, entertaining 
feeds a lot of the people mm. that gravitate to our content have pictures of dogs and like we don't know who they are we probably follow them for their dog and that was the case in this instance but i wouldn't have been able to recognize them in the street and this was an opportunity where I got to see them without any kind of like, okay, I'm about to meet this person. I was like, surprise. And they're meeting me and it's like, surprise. And they're like, you're the guy I follow on Instagram. I'm like, you follow me on Instagram? And this isn't like an egocentric thing at all. It's more so just that connection with people. Like we lost touch and it came back where we thought that we were connected with all these people, but you don't really feel that connection until you're actually like staring them in the face mm -hmm. or answering a tough question or just being just totally honest about how your day really is. Like sometimes we'll have conversations with clients. I'm sure you can relate where like you can tell that their week was awful and they just haven't said it yet. And then you just kind of stop and it's like, okay, I've been coaching you for a while now. How, was your day actually like <laughs> be real with me? And then, then they start to, to share a few little nuggets and tidbits with you so that you can tell them about the things that you've gone through and make sure that they know that you're not a robot and then work towards what you're going to do to turn things around. So I got my tangent in there. I'm going to set you up with your next question. So that was an awesome tangent. I like <laughs> on, on that note, before you get into the question, I think I like that you, I, I like that you took that obstacle, turned it into an opportunity, and then you really just readjusted things and I guess realigned the scope, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I mean, even to add more context, like I'm extremely grateful for that period of time because it kind of put me in like the best position I've ever been in my career. And I think it was just because I chose to see the positive side of things that it influenced me to make positive changes in the other aspects of my work to a point where the other aspects started to pick up. Like I do a lot of online work. I was still getting referrals for in-person stuff. And had I felt sorry for myself and been bitter and resentful and compared myself to other people and been like, oh, why did this happen to me? What was me and all that stuff? It wouldn't have worked out that way. And so it can sound lame and soft to be like, okay, be gratitude, be grateful, remember who helped you along the way, see the positive end of things. Like that's sometimes the only way that we can keep the ship afloat. Like it's like we have one, one way to survive and that way is to be positive about your situation. And it's, we see it in people who go through rare diseases or cancer. Like a lot of the most resilient people are also quite positive about their situation and it's a very much a case-by-case -case basis but many many times i've been inspired by the attitudes the day-to-day -day actions of a person who has some of the biggest struggles mm -hmm. and then i find myself hearing how another person with a bad attitude has much less significant problems and I'll, I'll give you an example just so that we're on the same page here. So cool. we've got one person who their life is in danger, but they have the best attitude. And then we got another person, Instagram changed their algorithm. And this person thinks the world is out to get them. And we look back and it's like, okay, this person has all their essential needs covered. They have somebody that says, I love you at the end of the night. They have a roof over their head. 
they love their job. Maybe they're like an influencer, but the algorithm changed. And it's, it's that attitude difference that can take people on two very different paths. Because if the person that had had all that success had the same attitude as that first person who was going through the toughest time of their life, the trajectory of that second person's life might be very, very different. They might even have impact on other people who need that energy, that momentum and, and stuff like that. But to segue back to my question for you. So my question for you is I always ask people what their plans for the future are. And I almost always get a similar response in that people are like, oh, I don't think that far in advance. So whether it be that I'm like, oh, what's your five-year plan? Or, oh, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? So I'm going to ask it in a way that's similar to how you ask questions. And so I think it'll be right <laughs> up your alley. It's not going to be the same question. It's going to be a little different. But cool. my question for you is, if you are... We're going to make this super weird. So you're in a senior's home. <laughs> in a senior's home, you're hanging out. You've made lots of new friends. You didn't think it would be the experience that it was. And I use this example because I was recently in a senior's home with a friend. And to see just how like the personalities are like an aura around them. And I haven't seen that in a long time because so much of how we present in public kind of seems all hollow and empty and... We're just kind of all like sad, but then you go and you see a person's reaction to an, another human coming in and they're like, oh, oh, and like, they're not all having a great day, but some of them, their day was just made because they saw an old friend or they saw a new face or they saw just like positive energy come into a room. So you're in this room and they've experienced your positive energy and some of them are just glowing. They're happy to see you. And you spent about two hours in there and you're playing bingo and you're doing all kinds of fun stuff and you've talked to them about life and you've learned some things. And I'm sure in your life so far, you've gained some wisdom in the conversations you've had with people. Now, here's the question. And again, as I say this is the weirdest setup I've ever done on the show. So if you think I'm losing it, I'm not. I'm loving it. I'm <laughs> loving it, dude. I'm, so, I'm like so into this where I'm just like... First so you have a question about time. I'm like, okay. You've had, you've had <laughs> like the two hour, like really deep conversation. You're feeling like the goosebumps, the bu butterflies. You're like, oh man, like this is such a good way to spend my time. And then somebody like me asks you like, how do you define legacy? Like what is legacy for you? And what mm. kind of legacy do you want to have in relation to the type of legacy that these people that you've just met have and what they've shared with you and what you've learned from them? What, what does yours look like in the future when maybe you've traded spots, when maybe you've traded spots with these people who are like in their eighties, nineties, maybe they're a hundred plus. Nice. So I am the hundred plus person, right? Okay. Well, so legacy actually to me is not to like, yeah, a legacy is not hyper important to me and that's by choice and the choice behind that, but I will go into the actual question. I'll actually, I'll actually go through the actual question. So legacy, legacy is not super important to me because that puts a lot of unnecessary pressure 
to do things rather than to experience things. So if legacy is there, then it's a certain, a certain quota or certain standards have to be hit subjectively from person to person in order to create a legacy. In my mind, uh, most people are forgotten within three generations, even if it's their family lineage. I don't know my great, 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 great grandfather, for example, and I'm pretty sure most people don't. So I think when we're focusing on or when I'm focusing on legacy, that's where I create the most. That's where I create a space of not being present in the moment. So if I were that 100 year old self, the impact I would have on others, it wouldn't be a legacy, but the impact that I hope to have for others is the is one part is compassion, another part is kindness, and it's actually okay, this kind of, this is gonna be cool now. It ties into how I made peace with death. And I like bars. Even not drinking, I like bars. I just like the energy. The place that I don't ever want to be in is the place of talking about the good old times or the things I wish I did and how that ties in. It's, so that's like old age and how that ties into death as well. And I try to make this as consistent as possible from now until the day I do kick the bucket. I've had a solid chunk of folks die on me or kick the bucket. So, so a weird way of putting it is that I'm as close to being used to losing people in that sense from a variety of different ways. So I have, when you have enough ex exposure to something, you become desensitized to it. There is like the initial, ah, oh, lost that person. That's very important. But I think it's also important to tell the stories of the folks that you care for in order to perpetuate their stories. So like stories are all we have at the end of our times. And the way that people stay relevant is by telling those stories. So at the end of my days, whether I'm in a senior home or I kick the bucket, the way that I wish to live is in a place of abundance where I get to talk about the cool stories that I've got to experience. And that involves experiencing those stories. I don't want to get to the end of my days and kick the bucket and wear my old friend death. That's how I refer to the exposure where death's hanging out, been around, flirted. We flirted a couple times. We flirted a couple times, but thankfully it wasn't my time. But I know at one point there will be a time where, and I'm just visualizing death as like the, the, the hooded figure, blah, 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 kind of thing in this moment. It might change over time. But eventually that, that entity is going to place the hand on my shoulder and say, hey man, you want to go get a beer? <laughs> and ha, it's not like I'm going to be like, no, and try to run away because that's not, not going to happen. So when I get to that bar and I'm at that bar top, 
I would just rather be the person telling really cool stories of what I did do than complaining about the things that I didn't do. So in my mind, I would hope that in my mind's eye, if I'm future casting, I would want my legacy to be looking back on a life well lived. That would probably be my answer right there. Yeah. And I mean, that makes complete sense. And I'm glad that you sort of encapsulated it in the way that you did, because what I noticed was you kind of started off saying like, I don't need a legacy. And then you started talking about your legacy because legacy, a lot of people might see it as like a, you got grandkids or maybe it's like generational wealth or something, but the cool full circle moment is like earlier in today's episode, you were talking about all the philosophers that you enjoy. And when we think about philosophy, a lot of it is like some form of like storytelling in some sense. Like it can be very like intellectually thought provoking storytelling. But when you're like, I took a philosophy class at Grant McEwen and it's not like a science class. Like there isn't the same kind of like literal answers. It's more of a philosophical answer. And to have the best understanding of life as philosophy tends to do, like for you to have the best understanding possible, that's a great legacy to have. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you're able to share that because I think it's something that a lot of people could benefit from striving for and that like for each decade that you're here, make sure that you're filling it mostly with experiences and not so much with complaints and make sure that you are betting on yourself instead of cutting yourself down and being the only thing that's in your way. But with that said, we are basically getting to a point where we have a hard stop. Do you have any final words that you would like to share with my audience or places that people can find you or anything like that before we uh, sign off for this episode? For where to find me, Dapper Dude Kyle anywhere or Dapper Dude anything, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook is just Kyle Smith. If you can find me, then you can friend me. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably like hundreds of Kyle Smiths. There's a lot. There's a lot. It's stupid. It's stupid. So that would be worth finding. I have a podcast, the Limitless Life Podcast, which you were a guest on, which was awesome. And that's going pretty well. Three times per week, been posting pretty consistently. There's only been one week that I didn't get three in, but I just wanted a little breather. Oh, yeah. And that's been that's been going really good. I'm at almost at 70 recordings, and I started at February 8th. So that's pretty cool. Then for tidbits or what do I want to leave the listener with what's something that's really powerful for me on this one hmm if I were to go with like a crazy one let's have some fun on this one because definitely have a smidge smidge. we can push some time here (laughs) If I were to think of, okay, so the thing that I would want to leave your listeners with, and this is, this is genuine 
where it seems where it seems really simple. But one part is there's the sentence easier said than done in any situation. So if someone says, if you do this, then you'll get this result. And then oftentimes the response is easier said than done. I would like to plant in your subconsciousness a counter to that. And the counter is, it's easier done than repeatedly said. Only one of those perpetuates pain. Only one of those perpetuates progress. Done is always going to be better than repeatedly said. Because words are very important for stories, but if we're still telling the same story, but if done is not applied, then we're just going to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And that's a very difficult place to be because we're perpetuating past pain into the present and we're living that same point in time over and over and over again, rather than looking towards the future and trying to create in the present a different trajectory or outcome that we desire. So it's easy to pull the past into the present, but it's in our best interest to pull the future into the present so that we can see something bigger, broader, a possibility of us that is there to be a role model for us to become better. When we can compare who we are now to who we want to be and we focus on done rather than repeatedly said, when we have that clarity, when we have the a compendium of information that is working in our favor rather than against us, those are all controllable factors. Those are all controllable within us. And our reality starts from the inside out. It's not the outside in. Because everyone's going to have a subjective reality along with their objective reality. Objective reality, we cannot control. It is like playing a video game. Like Grand Theft Auto, I had all the cheat codes for all the weapons. I never played one storyline of Grand Theft Auto. And I got bored. Because I manipulated the game to fit what I wanted. And it was not fulfilling. But if we play the rules of the game and instead develop our character design and the skills that we have and develop that skill tree in whatever kind of capacity that we find interesting or that sets our soul on fire where we are in it from a place of infatuation, not from a place of resentment, then we're going to enjoy the time that we got. Because no matter what, there's always going to be a form of suffering. Something you mentioned earlier today is someone could have everything and feel miserable. Someone could have nothing and feel wealthy. If we take, that's, that's the best way to really think of it is if everything was stripped away, how useful are you? How dependable are you? Are you courageous? Are you cowardly? Are you a visionary? Are you a leader? Are you a follower? And being not censoring yourself in all of these thoughts and filtering it don't censor internal internally because then we're going to be more approving of censoring externally and our thoughts are always just pushed down for the most part in my just observation maybe i'm just being a conspiracy theorist on that one <laughs> but i think for the most part we have the power to change the trajectory of so many components of our life that we can make this a truly beautiful place to be and this is a dream. Like 
we've already experienced what it's like to not exist. This is our first time experiencing what it's like to live. And I think that's very, very important for people to remember is that it's going to be a finite amount of time. And if we're living up to the standards of other people, then we're not living. We're just existing. We're passively existing rather than proactively or actively participating. So I think that with that, one of my favorite things I like saying now is keep up the kindness. And I hope your day treats you as good as you look, but keeping up the kindness is not only an acknowledgement of another person's behavior and how they made you or I feel. It is also a mantra, a reminder that there, it's easier for us to go to misery than it is for us to go to joy. And there's a reason for that. I think it's because we have to practice joy. We have to practice human being rather than animal being, rather than reactivity, rather than impulsivity. If we have that human being, then we are proactive. We are responsive. We are compassionate. We have love for the heart of our own and then the heart of others. And when we take that time to fill up our own little heart bucket of love, rather than trying to feed or have other people funnel their love into our heart, once again, that goes to depending on the external world for how we exist. If we're able to just fill that heart up and it overflows with so much trust, truth, alignment, abundance internally, then that becomes external. Then the folks around us get to benefit from that love. And if we don't figure out how to develop that relationship with the self, then everything else is just going to fall apart and we're just going to be following along with the misery of everyone else. That was deep. And with that, I'm going to draw our conversation today to a close. So I do recommend that people check out your podcast, the Limitless Life Podcast, and the links will be in these show notes. So people will not have to look very hard to find your stuff. And I'd like to thank you again for joining me on this beautiful Sunday morning to have a deep conversation about life and stuff. So thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. I love life and stuff, man. (laughs) 